0: First World Problems is now part of the Punk News Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like the Punk News Podcast and Wizard's Beard. Visit punknews.org for those shows and many more, as well as all the latest news, new releases, and reviews of all your favorite bands. Check it out. Welcome to First World Problems, the podcast, episode number 24, and we're sitting here in Southern California, and in, you have to remind me where you live, Albert, what's the name of the city? Uh, ray warrenton virginia okay what Jay? ray
1: are you currently recording underwater
2: no what does <laughs> it sound like you're underwater
1: i don't know if it's just my end can anyone else
2: i can hear, hear him i can hear him fine
1: i can hear him okay okay, okay. maybe <laughs> ignore <laughs> everything i say <laughs> and good. please don't delete this
0: no no we'll keep it in there for posterity's sake um so yes, we are sitting here uh, with Albert, and I'm going to butcher your last name, because I don't think I've ever said it out loud before. Uh, M- Mudrian? You nailed it. Yes. See, that's the thing.
2: Everybody is so fearful of, of, uh, of enunciating mud. Everybody wants to make it sound way more exotic, like Mudrian, so they don't have to say mud or something like that. But yeah,
0: it's just Mudrian. <laughs> that's good. He, uh, he is the, you are the editor-in-chief of Decibel i am okay spectacular and uh decibel magazine is something that i personally have spoke of in previous episodes uh is one of the leading magazines within the heavy music metal hardcore whatever you'd like to call genres anything that's loud is basically what they go for so albert thank you for taking the time out of your day to uh, come hang out with us no problem thanks for having me guys no problem um so we'll dive right in and start talking about our quick hits uh Joey or Scott, which one of you guys want to uh, take this away? Joey, go ahead. Scott,
1: I feel like yours is going to take a while, so mine will be quick. Um, Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I would like to recommend a – this is kind of a, I guess, not quite for everyone, but if you were in the market to ever press vinyl, I would like to recommend Got a Groove Records. Uh, It is a record-pressing record pressing plant based out of Cleveland. Um, I've been working with them for a while now and have nothing but good things to say about them. They're good with deadlines and pricing is not bad. Um,
3: now is this a plant or a broker
1: plant. They do it all on site. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and everyone there is, is very cool and very easy to work with. Shout out to Matt. Shout out to Matt.
0: Do they uh, they extend you millions of dollars of credit so you can run up a, a very large bill and never pay it?
1: Millions <laughs> of dollars.
0: I figured that's why you like them, right?
1: Yeah, I actually don't even. They just gave me a bunch of money for some reason, and I don't. I don't even press records there. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Ray. Yes. Um, they are great, and if you own a label or want to start a label and you want to press vinyl, go to gotta Groove it's gotagrooverecords.com. uh check it out.
2: Dude, you need to get them to start pressing some flexies because they don't, uh, who, they don't
1: Who who do you guys do that flexi through?
2: Uh Pirates Press. Ah. That's so awesome. I'd like to I'd like to expand the uh flexi pressing market so I can get some competitive rates. <laughs> <laughs> so there isn't one game in town. <laughs>
1: I I will shoot them an email and just ask uh see what their uh yeah, how that works. That that would be rad. Thank you.
3: Yeah,
0: well, the the for those of you that aren't aware of what uh, they're talking about in regards to Flexi's uh, Decibel has done something, in my opinion, pretty revolutionary. Uh, you know, don't mind me. I will continue to blow smoke up your ass, Albert, because you know that's kind of <laughs> what I do. Um, they included for the subscription only people. They included uh, Flexi's for, and Flexi's are basically just a flexible seven inch. Uh, as weird as that sounds um and yeah they included it with every issue and they made an exclusive song with uh you know bands from like the most recent one will be agoraphobic nosebleed and skeleton witch and a bunch of other bands and so it was a uh it was a really cool thing and you guys are planning on doing it in 2012 as well
2: oh yeah there's a there's no end in sight to it we've got a bunch of um artists who've already kind of submitted songs that we'll be using next year and bunch more that have committed to doing tracks later in the year. So yeah, it's full steam ahead. Very, very excited to have it have it rolling as long as it has been. So
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not an easy process getting an exclusive song and then pressing it on a flexible seven inch. <laughs> and then inserting it into a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and then distributing that magazine to a
2: certain amount of people. No, it's not, but it's uh it's it's definitely been worth it. Um our subscribers have been thrilled with it and it's interesting. There's definitely um, a lot of people out there who are maybe a little bit younger than our core audience who have reached out to us and just kind of been like, what do I do with this thing? Uh, <laughs> how do I play this? Is there actual music on this? Um, it's, it's kind of fascinating and adorable um, and <laughs> horrifying at the same time.
0: such a mixture. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, thank you for the recommendation, Joey. And hopefully, uh, Decibel gets hooked up with a new uh, new pressing plant, right? <laughs> or competitive rates, as you were saying. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you got, Scott?
3: I have a a bracelet which I've been wearing called for the
1: For the record, this is the second bracelet Scott has recommended doing the same thing.
3: Continue. Yeah,
0: I would I wouldn't <laughs> call it a bracelet. I don't know what you call it.
3: it, Scott. I
1: saw
0: it today. It's a bracelet. Okay, it, it's, it's it's done. It's done by Lance Armstrong. It's called Live Strong, right? No. <laughs>
3: It is called the Up Bracelet by an electronics company called Jawbone, which have previously made um, very technologically advanced Bluetooth headsets. And they also have a speaker, like a standalone Bluetooth speaker that sits on your desk and you can connect all kinds of things to it. And it's got great sound quality, so they say. They have since gone into the market into the sort of self-analytics world and the brace that I'm wearing is a... I think its main function is like a pedometer. So it tells you how many steps you've taken. And then there's another mode where you can flip a button and then it'll tell you how much you're sleeping and the quality of your sleep. And all this ties into a phone application where you can manipulate this and share it and all that wonderful stuff. I've only had it a week. Scott, over, under, or
1: how much longer... A, will you be wearing this and B until it fails like the last one you were wearing?
3: Um, this one's made much much better and it's from a reputable company. Okay. Um, it's not very comfortable. That's one of the problems. It looks like it was held together by magnets. No, it's no? just it's got some kind of bent metal core to it. It holds it together. But it just it's kind of bulky and yeah not very fashionable. It doesn't go
1: with your other jewelry. <laughs> I was
0: about to no. say, you're not, Scott's not much of a jewelry man to begin with. So I'm sure wearing any bracelets like, oh my God, my arm is so heavy. Yeah. And well, and I, Scott, I this doesn't
2: affect it. your, this doesn't encumber your sleep at all. You're, you can sleep through with this thing on because I can't even sleep through when I'm like at a weekend metal festival and I have to wear a bracelet for three days.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I used to wear a watch before I wore this so I was used to it. Okay. Um, one of the cool things is that instead of an alarm that wakes you up, the bracelet vibrates and i was kind of worried that that wouldn't wake me up (laughs) but it's actually it's done a good job and it takes you away from like the traditional harsh alarm noise which i've never really understood
2: so now Um, you're just physically shocked into consciousness
3: exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds pleasant
1: see scott i I wake up to the adorable sounds of ducks quacking yeah it's so pleasant (laughs)
0: That's cute. I, I, I must admit, Scott, that uh after doing some research after you told me that you got this, it, it really does look interesting and you know, it I mean it's like a hundred bucks and it's one of those things where I could easily see it being like a, a fun Christmas gift for people that are into technology and be like, Oh sure, I'll try this out and then, you know, see what usefulness it plays with in your life.
3: Not for you, Ray. You have a kid. Put that hundred bucks into his college fund. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Scott, how many how many steps have you taken today?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's one of the, unfortunately, you have to plug it into your phone every time you want to want to see your latest data, so it's kind of cumbersome.
1: How do you plug it into your phone?
3: Um, you plug it into the phone, or the... Audio jack. Yeah, I don't know what that's called, eighth inch jack, and then you sync it with the app. Let me tell you, hold on, so every day I tr- <laughs> it tells me I want to walk 5,000 Steps, because that's what the average person does. That's a lot. That's a lot. And today, I've done... Hold on,
0: it's sinking. <laughs> that's fine, take your time. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for that recommendation. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I've you, done a thousand. A thousand?
3: Scott, yeah.
1: let's go walk around the block a few times. Let's do it. You're, le- big-
0: you're, you're lethargic, Scott. <laughs> I
3: have another one, another quick hit as well. Oh, okay. It's a restaurant in my area. Called the Curious Palette.
1: Did you oh, eat there?
3: I did. It's fantastic. Oh, I drive it's, by it all the time. That sounds pretentious. Uh, it is. It's all it's about curious. It's more curious. Yeah, it's kind of homey inside. It's really nice, and it's all about like mixing food that wouldn't uh, typically go together, putting into sandwiches and stuff, and it was hmm. delicious.
0: What did you have that was an unlikely combination?
3: Artichoke, sun-dried tomatoes, goat cheese and spinach. Unless you would have
1: said peanut butter, nothing would have sounded weird there.
2: I was about to say, that's pretty likely. That's a a, a good pizza right there.
0: That's true.
1: Way to expand your horizon, Scott.
0: (laughs) I hate all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Including Albert, who I just met. (laughs) I I I have that effect on people. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate two quick hits. That's very good. Yes. Um Albert, do you uh you, you want to jump in here and uh break your your quick hit cherry? Uh, sure. Um for me it would
2: be as um as a a recent first-time father. Um I have been kind of ensconced in my house for the past 6 weeks. So I have been kind of shut off from the outside world and culture and news and all kinds of good stuff like that. So um my experience is going to, I'm going to pull from my experience here and recommend, uh, G diapers. Um, Amazing. Because man, you know, m- my wife decided we were going to cloth diaper, um, before our daughter was born. And I was, uh, a little apprehensive about that because, you know, uh, it's an extra round of poo cleaning. That um, <laughs> doesn't but, sound uh, pleasant. No, no, but these things have been proven to be uh, super durable and absorbent and um, very easy. No, I think we only had one uh, escaped poop at, uh, <laughs> through, this, through the first six weeks. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're washable, reusable, and uh, as long as you're available to do laundry like every other day, um, thumbs up for uh, G diapers and cloth diapering in general.
0: Nice. Nice. I, uh, I, I also do recommend the cloth diaper cause I did that for my, I'm still doing that for my kid. Um, except what's the difference between what you and I are doing is I have a diaper service where <laughs> they, I just toss my diaper, the cloth diapers, not my diapers, my kids diapers. I'll, I'll make that clear.
1: You wash your own diapers, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Um, I throw the, uh, Little Raymond's diapers in a bin, and once a week, this service called Dighty Diaper Service comes pick it up. Comes to pick it up, and it's like, oh, it's pretty, pretty simple. So I stick my hand in the toilet. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. Very the very glamorous life of an editor yep. in chief.
2: Yeah, It's over. You know, I'm I'm over everything right now. It's like, oh, this has to get washed out quickly. There's the toilet. Hand in the toilet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm just desensitized to all of it right now. Yeah, it, it, uh, but I, I agree. The service sounds great. Yeah, no, it's cool.
0: But I, I back the uh, cloth diaper situation as well because, yeah, you don't feel like you're just throwing shit away. I mean, literally right. hand over fist. Exactly.
3: Ray. Yes. Have you calculated cost per poop?
0: Uh, ooh, That's a – well, no, because since we use a combination of cloth and, like, disposable diapers, um, I mean, it's cheaper to do cloth diapers. Um, oh, so, but I haven't done like a cost per per diaper. I think well, actually, that's not true. I think it's. I mean, like I said, it's cheaper for the cloth um, than disposables, just because those are you know usually a little more expensive. So,
2: yeah, you just blow through tons and tons of disposables, and totally. you pay uh, you pay a little bit more of a premium up front with the cloth, but it, it definitely it, it's just nice to. It, you know, not worry about running out of diapers or running out for them and stuff like that too. But yes, uh, and I guess I guess you could
0: calculate cost per poo, but it's going to depend on how much uh, your baby produces to begin yeah. with. True. Actually, Scott, I'm going to hire you for that. Is that okay? Yeah. Right. Isn't
2: there an app on that new bracelet? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: That'd be so right. good.
3: I've been calculating my poop all week.
2: <laughs> Can't wait.
1: How much does each one cost, Scott?
0: <laughs> Three dollars. <laughs> I eat well. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thank you, Albert. That is uh, definitely culling from your experience. And, sure. and and a belated congratulations as well. Oh, thanks. thanks. Yes. Uh, my quick hit is because the NBA is currently in the lockout, and it's very sad for me personally just because I really, really got into the NBA season last year. I'd always enjoyed the NBA, but last year I pretty much dove in headfirst just because it was such a You know, spectacular season, really good playoffs. Um, Because there's a lockout, obviously we're not watching basketball, with the exception of college basketball, which I love. But there's a video game that replaces that called NBA 2K12. Uh, I'm playing it on Xbox 360, and it is unbelievable. I mean, you feel like you're really... You know, actually, not only watching the game but participating in it. Um, I'm playing a season with the Lakers, and uh, it's just really fun, super challenging. I definitely get pissed and throw the controller occasionally, Um, but you know, that's all part of a sports game if you're into sports games. So you're teaching baby Ray bad habits to be already. He well, possibly, but he he kind of doesn't really care about that. He just looks at the screen and you know is very into all the moving colors. So
1: Ray, it's funny that I mean I've known you for quite some time now and you've never really been an NBA guy um, until you know last year. Yep. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of people. And I'm sure the NBA is good very bummed. Yeah. Like of all the years to go into a lockout after like last season was incredible. So
0: Yeah, no I agree. But this I know this video game is stoked.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you picked the Lakers, that's that's weird you picked a pretty crappy team, huh? How are you doing?
0: <laughs> well, I clearly I wasn't, starting I, I, from the bottom. I wasn't going to pick the Bobcats or anything like that, but uh, it, it's—I mean—it's still hard. In my league, the Clippers are number one, so that's kind of funny. Nice, but um, yeah, are you—are you a gamer, Albert?
2: Um, no, I—you I, know—we have a—we have a Wii that I just—I had a couple of baseball games that I would play on it, but I'm—I'm I'm much more excited. By the fact that there's like I guess there's a section there's like in the Wii there's a for a store where you could download old video games. Oh yeah, and I and I downloaded uh, this is back you know before my life changed dramatically <laughs> a, couple, a few weeks ago. Uh, I downloaded uh, Tech Mobile and uh, nice. played that played Great. that just this just decided to see if i could win uh the championship with every single team which so which i can do i can i can i can do it now and it's 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 great so yeah i would rather honestly i, I i'd rather play tech mobile than than you know the exciting new games but i'm i'm pretty much a luddite at the end of the day um as ray found out earlier today i'm not on skype i don't have a smartphone you know i'm just i'm kind of i'm happy to be in in the dark ages with some of this stuff
0: that's it's okay you got you have to find i'm pressing
2: pressing flexi discs come on what what, (laughs) what century do i live in (laughs)
0: that's very true you have to find your comfort level that's all that matters and we were still able to do this interview we implement technology in different ways (laughs) well cool um So yeah, that's my recommendation. Um, And yeah, now we can kind of move on to uh, music we've been listening to recently, um, which I know could be a little redundant for Albert since he, well, you don't do a ton of reviews anymore within the, actually, you never really did reviews too much in the magazine, did you? No, I, I,
2: you know, the first few issues I, I, I contributed more stuff when there wasn't, you know, when, when we were kind of still building a staff, but um, as the magazine's grown over the past eight years or so just i don't have time to to really sit down and, and kind of write about records that much i you know i always make sure i throw something in our year-end list which is which is coming out um next week um but it, yeah i don't i don't get to, to write that much about music anymore it, it's a little sad actually yeah. right? most of my day my most of my day is like less exciting stuff like you know selling advertising or worrying about distribution or getting the flexi series sorted
0: out or arranging photos or
2: w- whatever, you know, sure. The, um, the nuts
0: and bolts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well then this could be another outlet for you. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're just, uh, you know, talking about a few records that we're into and, um, Joey, I always like starting with you. Are you, uh, you ready to, uh, throw things out there?
1: Yeah. I'll just talk about a couple. Um, the first is Childish Gambino. It's, the record is called Camp. Uh, for those who don't know, that is Donald Glover from Community, uh, huh. his, his hip-hop project. And like, he's put out like, a couple EPs online and then just released his first full-length on Glass Note, which I believe is the same label as Mumford & Sons, correct?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Which is funny because he makes a Mumford & Sons reference on the record uh i cannot stop listening to this record i listen to it once it's over it's over i listen to it again um it's it's a a slight obsession um could have something to do with my obsession with community um, <laughs> but I think,
0: that, I think that helps
1: but it's i i think he's his lyrics are really clever and and well done the, i like the the beats and the the music um people compare i apologize for what i'm about to say ray i've seen comparisons to drake um but it doesn't suck so i don't think it sounds like drake
0: oh whoa, whoa. i know
1: i know you love drake um <laughs> i do but uh i don't i i really really like it i um you know would i have listened to it if or would it have caught my attention if it wasn't donald glover i don't i don't know um but i'm i'm glad that i did and it, we'll see what happens at the year-end list, but it's making a strong push to, to make the top ten.
0: Cool. Um, I, I checked out the record, too, and I uh, I really enjoyed the first listen. It It's strange because it's like, obviously, you know, well, you know a person or a character or whatever, however they are portrayed initially. It's difficult to detach yourself from that. And so when you hear him swearing on the record, you're kind of like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Um, you know, it's like, I'm trying to well, it's Bob Saget, random example, but <laughs> it's like you see Bob Sagitt in full house, and then you watch him do stand-up and you're like, holy shit, you're filthy. Yeah. Um so, I mean, granted, those are two extremes, but so it was a little weird kind of getting over that. But um, you know, listening to the record more and more, I, I thought it was uh I thought it was cool. Like I definitely am finding myself listening to both of those records, like both the new Drake and the Childish Campino, and enjoying both of them. So um, I don't know which one I like more but uh they're uh
1: they're good. Yeah, I I like that some of the lyrics come out it's I mean it's it sounds like something Troy might say. Uh, <laughs> on community. Sure. Um yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I love it. Cool. Um and the other record uh is uh a band called Good Luck. I always, I don't know where they're from. I'll guess Florida because
0: why it's not? A, it's, it's on no it's
1: idea. On, it's on no idea, and so who knows? But uh, they just put out their, I believe, their second full length. Uh, it's called Without Hesitation, and it's on No Idea. Um, I don't. I mean, to me, I guess they, it's kind of like a, a poppier, weaker than's in a sense. Like maybe like older weaker than's. Uh, they have a guy singer and a girl singer, um, but really catchy. I, I, I've only listened to it a few times, and it hasn't hit me as much as the first one. Uh, but I could see myself. Getting to like it more, um, but I'm very excited that there is a new Good Luck record because I've listened to the last one a lot. So hearing new songs makes me very happy.
0: Cool. Yeah, um, I, I never really listened to the band prior, but uh, I checked out the record after you recommended it. Um, you know, to me earlier, and uh, it it reminds me of that band like Lemuria. I mean, it has the whole no idea vibe. Yeah, like, they're really. If you enjoy anything that kind of sounds like that, you'll obviously enjoy this record.
1: It's it sounds like Lemuria. If the last Lemuria record was
0: good, ooh,
1: <laughs> it wasn't very good.
0: I, okay, I could. I don't fully agree with you, but I, I can understand where you're coming from. <laughs> um, Albert, what have you? Uh, what have you been checking out recently that's uh, flipped your switch? Um, for me, I've been listening
2: a lot to uh, a band called Paradise Lost who Mm. uh, oh yes (laughs) one of my one of my favorites growing up uh, and um, geez, I guess for 20 years now but they've kind of the British um, essentially doom metal band that's gone through many many different phases in their career some as extreme as kind of electro pop in some cases but um, they kind of settled back into their groove in the past few years and I've just been going just been kind of going back to the records and just kind of reliving, um, one of their records called draconian times, which came out in 1995. And the impetus for that was they, uh, released a album, a live album of them performing draconian times in its entirety. Something like, I think it's just draconian times, 2011 or something it's called. Um, and it just kind of took me back to that. Um, so yeah, nice. I've been listening a lot to that. But it, it, and you know, it's one of those things where um, I was excited about it because you know I love that band and I love that record. And they didn't tour the U.S. when it was released in '95, so you know I didn't get to see and hear all those songs. But by the same token, um, I'm starting to get a little uh, tired of bands performing. Uh, classic albums in their entirety. Um, and it's kind of a thing where, you know, uh, I shouldn't be throwing stones here because we've put on, Decibels put on a couple shows and a couple tours. We're <laughs> to have done that. Sure. But that was like, that was, you know, that's within like two years ago we were doing that kind of stuff. And um, and I just saw yesterday uh, that Knock Mistium, um, a band who I do like, uh, A couple of their records from, and no disrespect to them at all, um, are performing their, uh, I think it's a record from either 2006 or 2007, in in its entirety. Yeah, totally. And I'm kind of like,
0: it seems a little soon.
2: I saw you on that tour five years ago. (laughs) You know, we we didn't forget, you know. I, I think what I wanna what I really wanna do is convince um a band that has a sense of humor when they uh you know, when they have to put out a press release about releasing their new record and going on tour, um them exclaiming that they will be performing their new album in its entirety on tour. <laughs> That'd be so good. Um, you know, in a special you know it's a special performance, um because it's just kinda gotten to a point where it's a little ridiculous now. And I'm all for nostalgia, um, obviously, based on a lot of the things that I said earlier. But, I mean, this is, this is a little ridiculous at this
1: point. Yeah, it, seemed, it, was, it was like cool for a while. I, I don't know. It seems like it's just the easy go-to, like, we need like a, a gimmick for our tour. Like, ah, oh, this will mm-hmm. do. Um, I actually saw uh, Tegan and Sarah on their last record, like, the week it came out, and they played the whole new record from start to finish. Uh, but then they well, played a bunch of other songs afterwards. But they actually did the play the new record thing.
2: You know, that, you know that's cool. I think that's good to do that. Um, and 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 you're right. It, it's something now that this. I don't even think this is specific to the metal genre anymore. That this oh, no. happening like this. I mean, it was cool when Sonic Youth did Daydream Nation. Um, but like, it, you know, I think Dinosaur Jr. went out and did Bug recently in its entirety. Yeah, they and, did. Yeah. And you know, Dinosaur Junior are great, and that's a great record. But I don't know if that's like one of those albums that needs that or warrants that kind of treatment. You know, it's
0: it's it's it yeah. Has, you you want you want people to be a little more, or bands to be a little more discerning. It's like you know, you yeah. don't you don't go back to your catalog and be like, all right, this is a record that just got re released, so I guess we should play it from front to back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's like Joey was saying, it's kind of a marketing ploy in a way, but um, and. Little did you know, Albert, that all three of us—Joey, Scott, and I—worked a Paradise Lost record.
2: <laughs> oh, I <laughs> the, bet it was the self-titled one that <laughs> you worked. Know, that was ab- so. You, all you guys read Abacus at some point. We were. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes we, actually, no. Let's—we need to rephrase that. It was called Dark Element. <laughs> That's Dark Element? Oh, yeah. Look, if you have the original copy of that before, because I think Century You Media... know I do. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know I do. Because uh, I'm fairly certain Century Media re-released Yeah, I see about. it
2: here. Paradise Lost Under Exclusive License to Dark Element Records. <laughs>
1: I forgot about Dark Element.
0: Yeah. Wow. We, we had... I think about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we had... I don't even remember how it exactly came up, but basically, you know, the record basically just got given to us uh, via various channels Europe. Yeah. yeah and uh they were like okay well let's put this out it's like well we clearly couldn't put it out under the abacus moniker so uh let's think of something dark it, it was dark and elementy it, it was, i felt so bad for the band because it was like we could not be more disconnected from that and right. we just we literally kind of threw the record out there and it was like all right here you go <laughs> it's like why doesn't century media put this out yeah, I don't know why. That was yeah. what was that?
2: Oh five, oh six, probably oh five. Century media I think was going through one of their many transitions at that time. Yeah. Maybe they were and you know, that record wasn't gonna do
0: much here regardless. But that, man, no. why why bother? <laughs> For sure. Know. So yeah, that's why that's why when you first mentioned Paradise Lost, uh, Scott wasn't laughing at the fact you he thought you had bad taste, he was laughing at the fact <laughs> that he hadn't heard that band name in a while. Oh well, I do have bad taste also, so <laughs>
2: either is appropriate
0: that's good that's good Uh, cool Um, Scott did you want to uh, take things away and uh, talk about uh, your records that appeal to 40 plus year old people actually no no this this may be different
1: this is the part of the podcast where I check out go Scott
3: (laughs) the greatest record of the last month was (laughs) (laughs) it is by Tim Hecker and the title is Dropped Pianos. And what this is, is the... I forget what they're calling it. It's the quote-unquote sketches of the First World Problem's favorite Raven Death set, 1972, that was put out earlier this year. And this is all piano-driven, the slow, awesome. Would you say driven is the right word? I absolutely would. Okay,
0: <laughs> Dri- uh, Driven in the sense of it that is He's the playing main, piano, right? That's the main vehicle of the music.
3: I might say throbbing.
0: <laughs> Ew. <Blah. laughs> Check it out, right, uh, oh, Albert. It? Albert, are you familiar with uh, Tim Hecker at all?
2: I missed. I missed Tim Hecker. He,
0: he no, uh, yeah. You, well, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's debatable. And Scott's music taste it skews very far from what. Uh, could be defined as independent. Uh, well, actually, no, that's true. It's independent because <laughs> Scott recommends anything and everything. What Were you going to say Joey? Oh, nothing. Okay. I don't know. Well, it's a wide palette. It's it is a wide palette, <laughs> but yeah, Tim Hecker is like, actually, I like Scott. I did listen to this record and I did like it better than the last one that we listened to where it was just, uh, <sighs> that was pretty much the Tim Hecker record. Um,
3: was that the hatred of music three?
0: Right. <laughs> or the hatred of music one, two, or three? Uh, yeah, this this was good, but I mean, it's it or good, relatively speaking. Uh, oh well, you know, I, I think I know what you're talking about. We've got we
2: have a, a noise column in yes. the magazine called The Wages of Din that our crazy writer Scott Seward does, and he recommends things to me and. It just sounds like some guy in his kitchen playing his pots and pans. Um, so I, I, I get that. And, and I think there are times I, I like to listen to that, some of that stuff and it's made a lot of sense. And then other times where I'm like, this is for crazy people only. <laughs> Scott <laughs> may fall in
0: that category. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, well, thank you, Scott. The uh, Tim Hecker recommendation is always appreciated for people who are looking for background music.
1: Scott, I can't wait for Sean to tell me that this record is good. <laughs> Shout out to Sean.
3: Hey, Sean.
0: <laughs> um, I'd like to just hit on a few records. Uh, one is by an artist that I got recommended to via uh, a good friend of the show, Stephanie Marlow. Um, A.A. Bondi is the name of the artist. The record's called Believers. Uh, he, he used to front this like sort of mid-90s alternative band called Verbena, which I really didn't listen to. Um, but I was just casually familiar with. Uh, it's really good, just like folky stuff um, in a way that, um, you know, it's more, uh, I'm trying to think of an appropriate comparison artist-wise. Um, you know, it has like bits of Lucero. Um, it's kind of that, that sort of, you know, alt country vibe to it. Um, but it's more, I feel it's a little more earnest than, uh, you know, what Lucero is doing. But uh, the record's really good. He has, uh, I think this is his third full length. So is this
1: say, is this a new one?
0: This is a new one, yeah. Because
1: I think, I think I listened to the last one a few times and thought it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, but... yeah. this one just came out last month. so. Cool. Um, yeah, I was impressed. And the, the, he just seems to be uh, you know, kind of hitting his stride as far as every record seems to get better than the last, which is obviously what you want out of artists. <laughs> you never really want them to progress too much, so to speak. But um yeah this record's good and then um I also wanted to talk about the new Mastodon as well. Um I'm a huge Mastodon fan and I've enjoyed uh, pretty much I mean I don't think, I can't really think of a record that I've enjoyed less like they've progressively been getting better in my opinion as well. While I don't like this record as much as Crack the Sky, um I still think uh it's a amazingly solid entry within their catalog. Um I think they're doing cool things with uh with the textures of their songs, they're not afraid to be, um, you know, atmospheric at times, uh, while still kind of retaining what Mastodon does. Um, so yeah, I just I think the record's great. Um, I, I, I'm worried about where they kind of fit in in regards to because I know that now that they have not. Been, I mean ever since they were dubbed the next Metallica and now that they're not the next Metallica I kind of wonder where the band's expectations are but you know I'm sure Albert you would be able to share some insights since I know that they've been featured in your magazine on more than one occasion and uh, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you're a fan as well
2: yeah no, I'm a fan and and i I kind of I get what you're saying but I don't think that I don't think they had any uh, you know delusions that they were going to be the next metallic or anything like that I, sure. and i know that they you know obviously they want to be as popular and get as get their music out there as much as possible and and they think they've been able to do that with great success for at least the past five or six years um but you know i think that they're that, that's that's a band that's always kind of moving when i when i kind of check them out you know like i think of the bigger um metal bands that have that have made it like a band like Lamb of God, um, and no disrespect to them, but they're kind of they're traveling a pretty similar path from album to album.
0: Very um, true. Where,
2: where I think Mastodon have kind of I think they've been really adventurous from record to record, and and I think that with this new one that they going away from it being a concept album, um, going away from a lot of the previous thematic links that they had you know, musically and lyrically with their records. I think for them, it's just kind of like open them up where they can go in any direction now. Like they could, to me, to me, they, their next record could sound like Remission or it could sound like um, Queens of the Stone Age. You yeah. I mean, like it, it could be, it could be anywhere. And I think that's interesting. And that makes me want to continue to follow them and check them out.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I completely, but... I completely, I totally see exactly what you're saying. I feel like what they've done is they've kind of, looked at this, you know, say the career of Macedon is a chalkboard and they've kind of, you know, like put all these layers and here's where this music connects and here's where these narratives connect and are, this is, you know, kind of the path of what we've gone. I feel like they've taken that chalkboard and erased it and mm-hmm. now they're kind of like, you no, know, they're not starting over in the sense of like, all right, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're going to sound like, you know, Leonard Skinner or something like that. Um, but they really do concentrate on sounding you know, simpler with still retaining the, you know, technicality that obviously people have come to enjoy from Mastodon. Right. Cool. Did Joey or Scott, I I, I can't follow whether you guys are fans of this band or not.
1: Uh, I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I don't not like them, but I rarely see myself being like, I need to listen to Mastodon to the point where I haven't. I don't know if I've listened to the last two records. Got it. Um, like when they first came out, like I, you know, I was into like the earlier stuff, and then just kind of lost interest, I guess.
0: Sure, there, so. they are no taking back Sunday. I understand, Joey Ray, who is uh, it's very true. And <laughs> <laughs> Scott, do you like these guys, or do you just kind of they fade in the background?
3: Yeah, I never, never really listened to it.
0: Okay. Um, and then one quick update in regards to a record that we spoke about uh, a few episodes ago, that uh, Junius record, Joey, um, the robot yes. from the Threshold of Death. Uh, I checked it out because um, I know you specifically said, Ray, do this or I'll fucking kill you. Um, Those were my exact words. Uh, a little more violent. Yeah. Um, but I listened to it. It's cool. I, the comparisons that you drew were completely right on. and um, I think the record is definitely a unique and good entry within the sort of heavy music spectrum because it's cool to see bands that you know do the whole you know, neurosis type stuff, but have like soaring, clean vocals. Uh, I neurosis.
1: was, <laughs> uh,
0: I did not put that as coined by some other smarter person than I. I just like, I, kudos yeah. to them. Yeah. I think I've seen, I think I've seen that in uh des- the pages of decibel many times. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a solid record.
2: Yeah. I like that record too. Um, I think it starts off a little stronger than finishes, but, um,
0: I like it a lot, and
2: our our writers seem to like it a lot. It placed really high in our end of the year poll, um, so yeah,
0: I mean, thumbs up on that. Yeah, I'm interested to see them live too, because I, I understand that early in the new year they're going to be doing like a West Coast tour. Um, so it'll be cool to see them live. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's that sort of uh, concludes the audio section, uh, and then uh, let's let's talk about the visuals, maybe, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What do you? uh Joey, I'm very excited to hear your your opinion on this uh, new movie you've watched recently.
1: Oh, I haven't watched it.
0: Oh, you're just excited about it.
1: I'm just recommending The Muppets, which I will be seeing this weekend, um, knowing that it will be incredible. So,
0: please tell me, like your, because uh, I know you've been waving the Muppets flag for quite some time. Like, do you? Is this based on an attachment that you had as a child, or you just have basically? Really endorse this new movie because of who's involved in it?
1: Or... Are you going to make me talk about this in public, Ray?
0: Yes, I am, Joey.
1: Going back into fourth grade, <laughs> uh, every fr- or no, once a month every Friday, we would have to go into the auditorium. The entire fourth and fifth grade class—I think I was in fourth or fifth grade—I was either fourth or fifth—and uh, every every kid would we would just they would make us sing songs, oh. and. On a certain Friday, happened to be the day that Jim Henson died, and they made the class sing uh, the Rainbow Song. Whatever, um, is it called the Rainbow Song? Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Yeah, Where, there are. Okay, uh, and literally 100 percent of the auditorium was bawling their eyes out singing this song. That, like, that's emotional. Bunch, yeah, they made a bunch of ten year olds sing about, a, you know, sing the song. The day that uh, Jim Henson died. So pretty much ever since then, I just love the Muppets. Everything about them. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited.
0: What's your favorite previous entry to the uh, the canon of the Muppets?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, the original movie is great. But growing up, because I mean, that was a little before my time. Uh, so growing up, uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol, I thought was incredible. I, I loved it.
0: I like the Muppets take Manhattan. That was my favorite
1: that one very good yeah. um so
0: that or the great muppet caper i would oh good call I would, Pretty. wouldn't forget about that i'm
2: curious have you heard um have you heard some of the, the 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 cover songs that the muppets have done as promo for this like there's apparently a cover of smells like teen spirit where um ed the eagle sings the verses <laughs>
0: I, I i don't i have not heard that
2: yeah, I want to look into that. <laughs> I, I,
0: I've heard, I've heard the the soundtrack. Obviously, like the you know, whatever Haley from Paramore and a bunch of other people doing Muppets songs, and that's okay. But and uh, um, the Eagles singing te- "Smells Like Teen Spirit" sounds amazing. What
1: What I will say about, even though I haven't seen the movie, the marketing campaign for this movie is absolutely incredible.
2: It's over the top. They're with, everywhere, and, everywhere,
1: and with all like the the parody ads they've been doing like it's it's genius i think it's so creative
0: i think uh, they're I, I think basically they're just like yo we got to go all in on this like we either need to reinvent the muppets or this this is yeah. kind of gone you know like yeah.
1: i it, it this should be the biggest movie ever I hope, it, I hope so um i'm very excited i will report back after i see it
0: so stay tuned be ready for that <laughs> cool uh do you got anything uh, Scott? Nope. <laughs> Scott Scott kept his eyes closed for the past few weeks. Um Albert have for you... those oh, well, quick,
1: for those wondering Scott has still not seen Return of the Jedi. We will take care of that shortly and Scott will report back.
3: <laughs> I, I was I have some other movies I need to see that we'll talk about later.
1: We don't want to embarrass you right now. We'll say no. it for...
3: Okay. Scott, how old are you?
2: Uh 26.
3: Okay. That's,
2: that's almost excusable, but no, no it's not. We it's have just, we haven't given him
0: a pass. Yeah. <laughs> what? Please, please just throw out one movie now, Scott, since you have kind of teased the audience.
3: One movie? What that I have not seen?
0: Yeah, that's shocking.
3: Well, I mean, when I was thinking about it, I've only seen one of the Back to the Future movies. Oh, oh
0: Jesus fuck. Christ! I've only seen one of those too. Oh really? Yeah, I only saw the first one. Oh wow!
1: It's a trilogy of all time. Really?
0: Yes, pretty good.
2: Hmm. I mean, okay. I've seen the first one countless times.
0: Yeah. But... So you sh- you should check out part 2 and 3 cuz they're okay. equally as good. All right, I'm on it. And see, I think what's great obviously about having kids as well is that you're going to be able to revisit and reintroduce a lot of these movies to, you know, your kid and be like, "Hey, this is what you should watch as opposed to, you know, Bob the Builder or something like that." Exactly.
3: But like, have you guys seen like uh, The Godfather? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Sorry, never seen that. Uh,
0: <laughs> this is like Film Studies 101 yeah, from keep, Scott. Keep them coming, Scott. <laughs> uh,
3: Citizen Kane.
0: Well, that's, I mean... I mean, I, I have
1: not seen Citizen Kane, but... I, I,
0: right. just, I, I just saw it because I worked at Blockbuster, and it was the best movie of all time, they said, and I watched it, and I was like, eh, it's okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm imagining it's kind of slow. Never seen, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Joy, we talked about that. We did.
0: Uh, maybe maybe we should just do an all movie podcast where Scott reviews all these movies he's never seen and like gives them bad reviews. It'd be amazing. <laughs> never seen. He a just talk about like, what he thinks they're like based on what he's heard about them. Oh, good, good. <laughs> all right, new show done.
3: <laughs> just based on the title.
0: Yeah. All right, Scott. Well, then we'll uh, we'll check back with you periodically on your I haven't seen these movies.
3: Okay, I'm excited to live with you,
0: Scott,
1: and <laughs> <laughs> take part in this.
0: Um, the only movie that I've seen recently, uh, was on uh Netflix instant streaming. Uh, it's a movie called Troll Hunter, which for anybody that's into sort of campy, horror type stuff, um, it, it falls under the found footage genre of, you know, paranormal activity, Blair Witch Project, all that type of stuff, where it's these students that are very interested in some mysterious happenings within the woods. Uh, and the, I'm fairly certain it's Swedish, uh, and it's subtitled. Um, and so basically the Swedish government is covering up the fact that there are trolls out in the woods that are killing people. Um, so yeah. If you're into that synopsis, you'll probably love the movie. So
2: I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm almost positive we reviewed that in our uh, in Richard Christie's horror column in Decibel. You know, I think you guys did.
0: I think he gave My it a God. favorable review. I'm sorry. I'm I, sh- did, I didn't.
2: I didn't realize that the people actually went out and
0: watched those <laughs> things after we talked about them. <laughs> I I can't I can't recall if that was the uh, deciding factor for me personally, but uh, I I just know other people have spoken about it. So hey, who knows? You're your, your magazine's a taste maker, taste maker Albert. <laughs> yeah, not all that taste is so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: Wait, I, I did see a movie. Oh, what'd you see? A movie called One Day. Oh, uh, you saw that shit? I did. How bad was it? Made me want to cry. Because it was sad or because it was terrible? You want me to give away the the, the big banger at the end?
0: I don't even know what this movie's about i mean
3: so. i I can guarantee you I
1: won't see it because her British accent sounds terrible
0: oh, um, is this is this Anne Hathaway Yes, yeah. oh jeez, this movie looks terrible
3: uh she gets hit by a bus at the end.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
3: do you sad. see it yeah, she's riding her bike and she goes into a blind turn and there's a bus there. Hmm.
1: didn't they do that That's just remaking City of Angels where with Nick Cage and. Meg Ryan
0: or Final Destination
1: or Final
3: Destination. It it reminded me a lot of Final Destination.
0: (laughs) I sense, I sense sarcasm.
3: None. Um, so I could have watched Star
0: Wars, but instead I watched that. Well, you probably have to please your girlfriend occasionally. Sorry. Sorry, that sounded dirty. I apologize. Um, I did want to hit on one other random TV thing that, uh, I watched it. I was actually really impressed at and I would be interested in uh if Albert's seen it as well. Um Metal Evolution on VH1 Classic. Um they've showed two episodes of it and uh it's by the dude who did uh the Iron Maiden documentary. Um and I'm fairly certain he did something hey, Yes, that's it. I I knew there was something else. Um Sam, something or other is his name. Yeah, Sam Dunn. There you go. Um so I'm just impressed because this show is uh, basically the idea is that they chronicle metal from its beginnings, like why it became the way it is. And, you know, it's more of a history lesson than anything else. Um, but I just can't believe how much money VH1 put into this. Cause this is like a, a list like documentary in the sense of, travel budgets and ridiculous camera angles and exotic locations. Um, I mean, they send this dude everywhere from like Ted Nugent's house to like, you know, England and I mean, everywhere in between. And I've only seen two episodes and it's a series of four, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I think it's 11. Holy shit. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I just can't believe how much money they're putting into this. So, um, Hopefully it gets good ratings, I guess, and they make their money back because it's it's an interesting documentary or an interesting look at a musical genre. So have you seen any, Albert?
2: Um, I saw the first one. uh, I haven't seen the second one yet, uh, but Sam actually interviewed me for one of the shows that I guess it's going to be kind of like the thrash death metal show that'll be later on in the series. Oh, nice. And, I mean, I've known him for a while just kind of talking and you know, just kind of being around and being old. Um, <laughs> that's that's and, what happens. Um, and, and you know, he's been he's been you know working these projects for years now. I mean, uh, Headbanger's Journey probably came out in oh seven or oh eight, but he'd been working for the, working on that you know oh four oh five and um, and he's just he's really thorough. He's really smart. He um, he gets it. And to me, I, I think it's I think it's fantastic because uh, you know, a few years ago, probably just like five or six years ago, um, VH1 did this other thing. I think it was called Heavy: A History of Metal, and it oh, was yeah, like a three or right. four part documentary. That um, I remember, they um, they interviewed me for that. They had me come up to New York for the day, and I spent two hours in a room, like in this totally dark room, like doing this interview about all this, like, you know, death metal and black metal and doom metal and thrash and and grindcore and hardcore and just everything. And I saw the final show, and it's basically like four episodes. And it's like one show about Black Sabbath, one show about, like, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, um, one show about hair metal, and then one show about everything else. And and it's they're literally their focus on death metal is literally a bunch of people just like listing off various subgenres, just naming them. And somebody like says death metal and that's like their coverage of it. That's pretty comprehensive. And just, yeah. And I was just like, Man, you gotta be kidding me. So when I heard when I heard Sam was doing this, I was like, All right this is actually going to be done correctly. Yeah. Um. And I, I just, I felt really good about it. I watched the first show. I thought it was great. Um. I haven't seen the second one yet, but I'm, I'm sure that it's, it's, it's good. And I'm sure that the whole series is going to be super thorough and, and well-researched and, and fun and, and interesting. And, and, you know, I mean, he talks, I mean, if you talk to me, he's talked to a lot of people. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You
0: know? it's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. So, I mean, Joey and Scott, even though uh, you know, it might not be exactly in your wheelhouse, I think you guys would admire it just from, like, a storytelling oh, standpoint. Oh, I would
1: I would definitely enjoy it. I, yeah, just, I it did, didn't know it existed. Yeah,
0: it, it airs on Saturday nights, and so uh, I'm pretty sure... That... Ray, I'm
1: usually out partying on Saturday nights. I know, nights.
0: dude, I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just... Uh, I think the third the third episode will air like the week after, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Uh, so like this Saturday after the Saturday, not Saturday after Thanksgiving, but the one before or after that. So, cool. Yeah, I recommend people check it out because it's uh, yeah, like like Albert said, it's definitely very very meticulous. Like you feel like even if you really know a genre, there's still like little twists on it where you're like, oh, that's cool. Like,
1: yeah. um. Can I chime in on uh, something real quick? Please. Uh, I kind of want to um, do a little follow up and uh, about Community. I hope all of our listeners are happy and not watching Community because I blame you. Because Community is now on hiatus.
0: It got pulled it, from the mid-season schedule it, and it doesn't is, look good.
1: It is not canceled yet, but
0: I, I recommended that
1: show so many times. And I thought our, our millions of listeners would really help, and <laughs> here don't we are. Do you think
2: that, that that this is a scheduled break so Joel McHale
0: can record his solo record? Oh, <laughs> that would be great. I, he he just does like a Weird Al record, <laughs> a bunch of parody songs. That'd be pretty funny. I,
2: I don't. I'm think, backing you though. That's a good show, and it it it, it, uh, it it's been overlooked. It's a good show. It,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think I've been this upset about a TV show. Going potentially going away as I was since uh, I think after the first season of the Wonder Years, it went on hiatus and I wrote a letter. I was so upset. (laughs) Um, I'm about there, so yeah,
0: I feel you. I definitely, yeah, I'm leveraging everybody I know to be like, yo, just watch this show, you'll like it.
3: I mean, I was was in this same place not a year ago with Rubicon, a little show called Rubicon,
1: yeah, Scott. That show lasted one season and was terribly boring.
3: That's <laughs> incredible.
1: We're on the third season. They've got one more year of college. Just get out another season. That's all I ask.
0: And plus, plus the show is up for syndication as well. So it's like if they – as long as they finish this season, then it will be up for syndication. So hopefully that will make it more compelling to put one more season out there so they'll make even more money.
1: I, I mean they'll finish this season. It's just a matter of a of a fourth.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, so now now – all of our millions of listeners, uh, write a letter to NBC saying, uh, bring back community and you can sign up first world problems. Thank yeah.
0: you. Yes. Um, and yeah, before we, uh, before we broke, we wanted to uh, ask a few questions to Albert in regards to, uh, you know, just decibel in general and uh, kind of the, the publishing industry as a whole, because, uh, you yourself are a published author uh, of a book called choosing death. That's basically a uh, oral history of uh, death metal and grindcore, and um, I, I really enjoyed the read myself. And I recommend our listeners that are interested in that in any way, shape, or form should check it out. Um, so yeah, I well, first of all, the I don't really know the origin story of Decibel, and I don't know if there's a short way to kind of to kind of put that into uh, perspective. But because uh, to me, it's like I just remember receiving the first issue of Decibel when I was working at Century Media, being like, "Hey, here's a new heavy music magazine uh, that has a new perspective and you know a new way that we deal with our readers. Uh, we really want to deliver content that um, you know isn't so much about who the coolest cover art." Who, who, who's on the cover, but, you know, we really want to make sure that we're dealing with all the stuff inside in a very meaningful manner. So, you know, how did that kind of transpire in the first place?
2: Um, uh, I'll try to condense as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I, I'm sorry. I know it's a large <laughs> question, but... Um, I mean, I, I had worked with this publishing company, Red Flag Media, which is Decibels Publisher, um, since 1997. And we had produced uh, general audience music magazines for independent record stores throughout the country. Um, and they're free magazines. They're basically like, um, I'm sure a couple of you guys are old enough to remember when Tower, Ma- Tower Records had Pulse magazine. Oh, yeah. Going oh, yeah. Um, well, it was basically like that for indie chains. Um, and it was general audience. So it was all different types of music. Um, but I edited that magazine, and I made sure since I was you know, a metal guy that it was, there was a decent amount of metal coverage in it. But I did that for up until about 2003 um, when we decided to kind of have somebody else bring in somebody else to work on those publications at the company. And it freed me up to begin work on Decibel because our publisher, our owner, wanted us to have kind of a newsstand publication. Because when you're doing these um, magazines for independent re- retailers, they kind of have some kind of they have a little bit of a say in what content is like they would kind of decide who they want on the cover and then you'd go out and get those stories whereas we always kind of felt hamstrung like man, like if we could do the magazine without any interference, this is exactly what we would do and um, you know my publisher wasn't a metalhead per se, but he uh, he had an appreciation of it. Uh, through me, just seeing how passionate I was about that stuff and how into it I was, and you know, knowledgeable, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, And, you know, I told him that I kind of had the vision for this magazine that, as uh, Ray so eloquently put it a few moments ago, kind of created a different perspective for metal people. I wanted to make something that, you know, if you were a metalhead that you could go to uh, a bookstore and buy it and not be embarrassed as you were walking up to the counter with it because that's how I always felt about metal magazines growing up like you know like Hit Parader uh, right (laughs) you'd just be like ooh or even you know Metal Maniacs magazine that I absolutely loved uh, growing up like sometimes you know you'd look at the cover and it was just like ooh oh man I gotta you know I would literally put the magazine like face down on the counter as I brought it up (laughs) Like, can I get, like, a brown paper porno bag for this thing <laughs> Take it outside? That's awesome. Um, but, I, you know, it, but more to the point, it was something I wanted to create. This, I had this vision for this magazine, and he supported um, me with, with trying to get it off the ground and uh, basically allowed me to do everything for about, you know, six months with it until it started to gain some traction, and that's pretty much how we got it going. That was the summer of... 04, the first issue came
0: out. No, that's cool. I mean, yeah, I, I did not know that. Uh, I didn't know exactly where the the inception of it was. You know, I just it kind of basically just hit my desk, and it was like, oh, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Scott, you had some questions about publishing that you wanted to ask, didn't you?
3: Yeah, like, how are you guys adapting to an age where people don't buy magazines anymore, or I don't know if they don't buy Despo anymore.
2: Um. Here's what I'll say about that. There's definitely, it's a different landscape out there. Um, But if you are a niche magazine, if you are a niche publication with a very clear focus as to your audience and the market, you can make it work. Um, We have had, 2011 has been the best year ever for Decibel, like everything-wise. Whether it's ad sales, subscriptions, newsstand sales, everything is the best it's ever been. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say that there wasn't like a hiccup, like around, you know, 2009 where, you know, people were really starting to get, the industry was really coming undone a little bit and people were kind of shaving ad budgets. Um, but you just kind of, you kind of learn how to adjust, you know, you, you can get some advertising money outside of the music industry and Decibel has that. We have like you know gear companies and clothing companies and occasionally even auto manufacturers <laughs> in there um so you just kind of have to roll with those with those changes um because you know again we're a niche publication we don't have like insane ad rates as i'm sure ray remembers we have rates that are you know that they you, the rates
0: that we need to have in order to pay our printing and keep the lights on and everything, but it isn't like, um, they're, re- they're, they're reasonable. The thing that I notice is the fact that you guys have people like whether it's record labels or companies that literally don't take any ads out anywhere else. Like they do no marketing whatsoever. Like a label, like profound lore records, uh-huh. like, they don't do any marketing beyond putting, you know, like a a, a one-page, you know, full-page ad in Decibel. And it's, like, not saying that the label sucks because they don't do any marketing. But that's just, like, they're at that level where it's, like, they know that whoever's reading this magazine is going to 100% care. Like, they know that that money is well spent.
2: Right. And that's the that's that's the thing. Like, we've we managed to, um, you know, we started it as a niche and we never really left the niche. You know, we didn't kind of, like start as a punk magazine and, and evolve into a metal magazine or we didn't start as whatever, you know, a, a magazine like Revolver started as, like a rock like magazine. They were supposed to be the US version of Mojo and then they became a metal magazine and now they're whatever they are now. Um, I mean a lot of magazines do that. Look at AP, Look at um, look at Outburn, you know, they've had so many different focus shifts and I think that probably serves you in the short run, but in the long run it's going to kill you um, because you're not creating, you're not creating a core. You're not creating people who are believers. I mean, we've had people who, who are working on issue 88 right now and we've had people who've been subscribers since issue number one who are still subscribers. Um, so in that sense, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to create a, a core audience Um but, like I said, it's it's a kind of a number of factors. If you have a core audience who, who support you and you are a part of a niche and your overhead isn't insane, you can definitely make this work. But if you're, say, somebody like... You know, I saw Spin just went down to bi-monthly. Like, if you're somebody whose circulation is, like you know, three hundred thousand and you're trying to be in all these different locations and you're trying to get, you know, advertisers who are paying twenty thousand dollars a page for ads, that's not gonna that's not gonna be sustainable. But, you know, when you have reasonable budgets and reasonable rates and a really, really ravenous core base of fans, you'll be okay.
3: Interesting. Have you have you guys shifted your resources over to more web and sort of tablet or iPad stuff?
2: You know, I've been trying to convince uh, the powers that be within the organization that it's a good idea to develop some, some iPad and tablet apps. Um, And they're into it, but you know, they're kind of reluctant to spend that money right now. Yeah. Um, And because it, it is, it is a lot of money to develop it. And kind of the way that we've reacted to a lot of that technology is we've always been like, you know, let's get in much later when the stuff has been developed and it's a lot cheaper, it's like he doesn't want to pay eight hundred dollars for the first VCR. Basically, you know, he <laughs> wants to he wants to step in when they're twenty five dollars. And I get that. Um, and the fact that everything, you know, all of it, everything is still trending upwards for us. Um, people still do buy magazines, especially metal people. Um, and the fact that there is the the caveat now of the flexi disc, which has definitely seen another. Um, the subscriptions raised to another level within the past 13 or 14 months. Um, I don't. I want to develop iPad stuff because I think it would be good for foreign readership because it is so expensive to send magazines overseas to people, and it is it it's not easy. Oftentimes, um, and you know, you guys having worked at a label and deal with like international shipping, you know, it isn't the uh, most reliable. So you spend a lot of time and a lot of money, like kind of sending replacement issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I really think that, you know, we could we could open up a whole new audience and a whole more of a worldwide brand if we had an iPad or a tablet app. But it's the kind of thing that it's it's in there, but it's more of a, a back burner thing, I think, ultimately yeah. for
3: us.
0: Interesting. But, yeah. Do you uh, do you have uh, do you have any plans to uh, do another book or anything like that at all? <sighs> I no. Mean, I'm sure at no. this time it's like what? No way.
2: <laughs> yeah, with the with the six month six week old in the house, um, I, I I I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I don't know if I want to do another metal book. I I wouldn't mind doing a book that's kind of decibel centric that's kind of more about the behind the scenes stuff of the magazine because there's a lot of funny shit that people um, aren't privy to that um, that I think would, could be really interesting if, if it was done in the form of more of like kind of a coffee table type uh, entertaining book like that. And it was something I had planned on um, rolling out for a hundredth issue which is still a year away but I don't think it's necessarily going to happen maybe someday but I mean, I think if I did a book, it would kind of, I think it would be more interesting to do something on a singular figure or something. Like, I'd like to write a book about Steve Albini. I think that would be amazing. You know, I think that's a guy who's got just so many great stories and people have had so many amazing encounters with him that something like that interests me, I think. But that's down the line. Right now, it's just kind of... Keeping everything moving with the magazine because we we have a we have a, a fairly sizable undertaking next year. We're we're putting on our first tour that we've ever done. Um, we've sponsored tours uh, in the past, but this is like a lineup that we've curated and we're rolling out in April. And it's all it's four bands and they're all European, so it's been pretty crazy to coordinate oh, it. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be really it's going to be really rad. Really really psyched about it. But that's kind of where um any of our additional focus is going
0: to right now sure sure um and sort of wrap things up on my end and obviously if joey or scott has an additional question um i I always like to ask this of people whether you know because previously we've interviewed you know dudes bands that type of stuff but when did you kind of realize that decibels started to you know get legs and what sort of You know, what moment did you notice in yourself that you were able to kind of step back and be like, holy crap, like, we're, we've really created something that means something to somebody or, you know, whether it was like this, you you could believe that this band agreed to do a cover shoot or, you know, any, any of those particular moments in your head that kind of, you know, made you feel outside of yourself?
2: You know, if anything, it's just letters from readers um, who are like so excited or so happy with people who are like, you know, it's their, it's their favorite magazine. It's their favorite thing in the whole world. You know, people, and you know, some of it's a little disturbing, um, (laughs) but but, you know, people send me like photos of like them with like their stack of all their decibels or, you know, them laid out across their room all over. And and you're just like, Whoa, um, I don't even do that. That's messed up. (laughs) But, um, but you know, it, it, to me, that was, one of the things I wanted to accomplish going into it was, um, you know, for me, the magazine uh, that had the biggest impact on me at the time was was Terrorizer circa about 95 to 99. Um, and I just thought that that was a great publication. I thought that was a great, funny, smart, interesting, adventurous publication. And I was so excited when it would come in the mail every month. I was so happy to read it. And all I ever wanted to do was make a magazine that somebody else was going to be as excited about coming, arriving in the mail than I was, uh, about terrorizer when I was a kid. So I felt like when I would get these e- emails from readers that I got that sense from them, then I was just, you know, I was thrilled. I was happy to me. That was like, cool, you know, great. And the fact that I get to do this, this is my job. That's rad too. It's, it's a ton of work. Um, it's a lot of days
0: aren't very much fun at all, um, but you know, you, you take it as it comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Joey or Scott, did you have anything you wanted to wrap it up with uh, Albert? Sure.
3: One more. Um,
0: okay. What
3: are the magazines you like outside of music that kind of give you that same feeling that you were describing?
0: Man,
2: um, I'm so bad. I mean, the, the things that I read anymore are like ESPN, the magazine. Um. Or, uh, Basically, baseball blogs. <laughs> because I'm a huge baseball nerd, and if if anything, there's an idea brewing in my head for a, for an, an interesting baseball magazine that doesn't exist yet. Um. I would enjoy and, that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> um. And I just I spend a lot of time reading that kind of stuff. I don't I don't really sit down with. With a lot of music magazines anymore um, because I I have my taste at one point was a, a bit more varied but I kind of have a singular focus running this magazine right now so I don't get to check out new um, non-metal bands as much as I'd like to um, So, and I don't really read other metal magazines because there really aren't that many other ones I guess at this point um, and especially now with like the way my, my days go and my time goes my, the magazines that I read are honestly, they're, they're, it's, it's baseball blogs it's so lame but that's, the, that's where I'm at right, you, gotta get, you gotta get inspiration but, from somewhere I know, but it's only because the, mag- the baseball magazine that I want doesn't exist and if well, it existed, I would read it
1: uh, as, a, as a baseball fan, what blogs do you, do you look at for my, um, for my, for my own interest?
2: for your own Well, I'm I'm a Philly fan. Okay. Um, so, just like... so so I spend there's a lot of Philly centric blogs that I read like um Crash Burn Alley and um Brotherly Glove and things like that. Brotherly um,
0: Glove. That's yeah, such a no, good name. I,
2: <laughs> I know. I know. But there's like um there's uh, Flip Flop Fly Fly ball. I would you should definitely check that one out. That one's great. That's a general one. Um probably spend uh an inordinate amount of time on com. Oh,
1: that's one of my favorites.
2: <laughs> um, but I'm, and I, I deeply, deeply miss com. I don't that know was, if you ever.
1: I did. That was yeah. great.
2: Yeah, I did. It, it's so, I, I, you know, I, I check out deadspin every once in a while because like once a year they have like a Fire Morgan week and it's the greatest <laughs> week of the year. Um, but it's just, it, it's just i keep I keep wanting to find something like that, and I can't
0: yeah.
2: um but something that I did discover recently is the guy who created uh Fire Joe Morgan is also the guy responsible for creating the uh the show that runs right after community parks and recreation really so yes so I didn't know that. Uh, yeah I think I think that's Ken tremendous the old uh the old blogger of fire Joe Morgan so um in lieu of in lieu of the funny shit that was on that. Blog, you can uh, you can check out Parks and Rec.
1: Yeah, I, I do love Parks and Rec. It's a great that's, show. Um, wow, that's very awesome. Um, cool,
0: sweet. Yeah. Well, Albert, thank you very much for hanging out with us and uh, talking about bullshit like we do here, and you do for your job. It's great. <laughs> oh man, I was I awesome.
2: Thank you. It was a uh, a, a nice respite from uh, washing diapers, <laughs>
0: from sticking your hands in toilets. Exactly, (laughs) but I gotta get to that now. Yes, awesome. (laughs)